I Love Mortgage Brokering, Episode 41. If you're prepared to take your mortgage business to the next level, there is only one place to go. I Love Mortgage Brokering with your host, Scott Peckberg. Hi, Broker Nation. I am thrilled to introduce our guest today, Michael Mullis. He's the founder of Mortgage Teacher. If you haven't seen it, check it out. He's got some awesome branding and stuff online. He's based out of London, Ontario. He's been a mortgage broker for 13 years, and it's taken a while to tee this up, but I'm stoked for this interview today. Michael, are you ready to rock? I am, Scotty. Thank you very much. Awesome. So can you just tell me a little bit about yourself and your business? Yeah, for sure. Uh, I've been doing mortgages for about 14 years now, and uh, I've funded about $500 million. And through that journey, I guess, I kind of felt a, a way to connect with the consumer a little bit easier, and that's with a brand. So lo and behold, we created the Mortgage Teacher brand in uh, 2012, in April, and then we've been uh, rolling with that ever since. So it's been pretty fun. And actually, that's how I found you. I, I stumbled across your stuff, and I'm like, man, you're, everything looks just so... It just looks awesome. So anybody who's listening to this, go check out his branding, the the whole design of his website, the communication, the language, everything is just, it's it's a notch above what I see most of uh, us brokers have. So the idea came to you after about 11, 10, 11 years plus in the business. And so how has it impacted your mortgage business having this sort of a, a unique brand like you have? Well, I'm not going to lie. I even didn't realize the power of a brand until I actually started to experience it. So as we searched online to see what, I guess the biggest hurdle that I've had in business, no matter what brokerage I've worked for or who I've associated with, we're still answering the question in Canada, what does a mortgage broker do? And I'm a big fan of Camp and all other big brands, but we're still trying to get that out there. And as you can tell by the numbers, we're trying to, the brokers are trying to win broker share in the market. So with that being said, I found that the more research we did, it was all about teaching and CMHC has their classroom, and there's so many uh, different things around uh, teaching and educating people that the word mortgage teacher came about. And I mean, let's just face it, at the end of the day, it's what domains are available. (laughs) So uh, when mortgage teacher came about, I I really noticed that knowledge is power, and and the exchange of knowledge from a teacher to student really empowers the student. So what we wanted to create was mortgage agent, or what we call a mortgage teacher, where they have an experience... uh, unlike other mortgage professionals, that they can thrive, share, and be nurtured. Uh, we want to deliver the most outstanding, complete, informative, you know, informative guidance to all families. So we want to kind of stand out above and beyond. And what we're finding with the brand is it's a lot easier for people to just say, well, you got to talk to a mortgage teacher. And the brand now kind of explains what we do. And as we all know as brokers, we're, we're still trying to explain that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. I still get people to say to me, so you just work with people who you can't get mortgages anywhere else? And I'm like, no, no, that's like, you know, that maybe at one time. But so before we get more, we'll talk more about brand and about um, mortgage teacher. But I always like to start by asking, how did you get into the mortgage business? Because nobody, when you were in kindergarten, I'm sure you didn't say that you wanted to be a mortgage broker when you grow up. So what was your path to getting into the business? Yeah, it, it, it was pretty unique. And I'm sure everyone has a pretty unique story. But I uh, I was involved in motorcycle racing and entrepreneur. I owned a clothing line at 16 years old that I kind of sold off. And uh, for one summer there, I kind of laid back with some uh, motocross racing team. And at the time, I had a uh, I did get a mortgage through a mortgage broker. So after that year, I was coming up for renewal, and I sat down with the broker, and he was the actual owner of a brokerage here in London, Ontario. So when I sat down with him, he kind of said, you know, what are you doing with yourself? And I said, I don't really know what path I'm going to take as far as industry-wise, career-wise. 
I didn't really need a job at the time. I was kind of managing money at a smart way at a young age, I guess we could say. And he said, you know, why don't you consider mortgage brokering? And and I really had to, you know, when you're going to sit down and think of a career, not a job, I'm not going to lie. It took me three months to decide if I was going to get into it. Uh, Under this company that uh, was considering me, I was able to go sit with multiple mortgage agents. And I would sit in one office for two or three weeks and learn off of them and then another one. And then I even started cold calling the competition and just to see what it's all like from the consumer standpoint. Uh, you know, do they jump right to rate? Do they ask a lot of questions about what my needs are? Because I was a young guy at the time and just because I had one house, I definitely didn't understand all the questions to be had. So he said, you know, you should really consider. And when I did consider it, I really opened my eyes. Find one industry that you can help people for free and mm-hmm. get paid. Right. So whether you're in car sales, which let's just be honest, that's the second biggest purchase in a person's life, you have to hand over a check. If it's financial planning, you have to trust someone with your money. But when it comes to mortgage broker, I found all you have to do is sell yourself. Mm-hmm. So if you're a strong people person and strong relationship, which this person found that in me, he, he felt that we could build mortgage knowledge. And lo and behold, I became a mortgage broker and started building a good-sized team, actually. That's awesome. So what was the, just out of curiosity, what was the most surprising thing you got by like cold, like cold calling the competition? Uh, it, it was, I found people were kind of too short and to the point. Uh, they started asking questions and if they felt I was going to be a difficult deal, they were off the phone too quick. Um, so they kind of over the phone, how do you explain it? I guess they kept their communication quite cold. So they said they would either get off the phone very quick and not really help me out. Uh, they were getting right to rates. I did find that the conversations, I mean, keep in mind, Scott, this is 14 years ago now, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I do recall everyone jumping right to rate. It seemed like brokers were still trying to, hey, we have the lower rate than the bank. Here's the rate I can get you. And they were jumping right to rate instead of asking me how much would I like to pay per month. Uh, you know, where, where do I see myself in the next two to five years? Do I see myself moving? These are the type of questions that need to be asked to understand truly what I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's be an interesting exercise to do actually to uh, to do like um, secret shopping on a bunch of mortgage brokers and then put out a survey to see sort of what you found, like an anonymous survey. Uh, mm-hmm. you just got my mind going. My mind's always going like this. But anyway, so we'll, we'll get back to the interview. I think it's interesting and I think it was very bold of you to start out as a new guy to just be like, I'll just pick up the phone and call the competition and see what they're doing and then compare notes with what you're learning in your office. I think that's, I think anyone else who's starting out could totally copy that as a, a great way to learn. I think they should because then that'll help them design to see if it's a good fit for them. I mean, Scott, we sit there with clients all day long and we try to make sure that the client has a fit for us and the product we're going to give them. Really, we can treat the agents no different. And so if you're thinking about getting into the career, your career or you're just starting in the career of mortgages, feel free to do that. It kind of lets you feel comfortable if you would do it the same way or do it different. But it definitely helps you learn on what a consumer would be dealing with. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. So before we dive into your story, I love to ask you about a success quote that's really impacted you. I love quotes because they take an idea and they distill it down into something portable, something that's memorable, and you can you know use it as a on daily to shape in your thoughts. So can you share with me a quote that's really impacted you? Yeah, I mean, for those of you that know me, I'm a pretty big hockey guy. I, I do play a lot of hockey. I coach a lot of kids hockey. And with that being said, I my one of my favorite quotes, I got two, one in the mortgage related, but uh, 
an empowering quote I've always had is, is Wayne Gretzky's. Uh, you miss a hundred percent of the shots you don't take. So as a, as an entrepreneur, that's always been my favorite. And that was my drive to create my own brokerage. And for all the mortgage agents listening out there, this one, uh, I'm not going to lie. It's the most difficult one to deal with, but this quote pops up in my head every day. Uh, the sooner you start saying no to deals is the sooner you start making money. And I know that sounds so weird, <laughs> but the honest to God truth is when you're starting out in the business, and I recall every single deal, you get an opportunity, you buy so hard, put that deal together. Sometimes there's a lot of power in knowing that you can't put the deal together and just kind of moving on. Mm-hmm. Because what happens is that as the market tightens up and the deals get harder to qualify, you find yourself putting 15 hours in on a deal and, and just hoping and, and praying that you can get it done and then maybe have a 5% chance instead of dealing with it up front that maybe you can't. So that, that is one hard thing to do at the beginning of the business. But once you started understanding that and your business builds, that was one quote that kind of stuck with me all throughout the 14 years and oddly enough. Okay. So give me an example. I think that's a great advice actually because it's very easy to make, feel busy by working on something that's not actually going to go anywhere. So can you give me an example of maybe something recently where you applied that principle to to a situation and it saved you a whole pile of heartache? A hundred percent. Just had a client uh, come into one of our agents recently and I kind of sat in on it and they're getting a uh, this per specific client is buying a, a house off of a family relative is the goal. And they look at this instant equity. For example, the house is worth, you know, 365000 but I'm going to get it for 320000 And can I get the equity out of there to pay off my student loan somehow? Well, if, as you look at all around now, by this point, by the time you're sitting down, you should have a credit bureau and all the information in front of you so you can make give them those answers. Mm -hmm. And of course, we had very bruised credit. We had no down payment. I mean, at the end of the day, the only way we're going to put something together here is a private or is the person they're buying the house off of going to help out and pay out the student loan. Uh, There's just no deal there, no matter how hard you want to chase it. In a sense, Mm -hmm. it seems like there is. But instead of sitting there going, well, we can try this bank and that bank and sending it to all the B banks and the C I just hit them with, here's the private numbers. Here's your worst case scenario. And that that wasn't even satisfactory or close to what he was planning on doing. So it's just not a fit. So sometimes the sooner you can, let's say, qualify and disqualify, then the sooner you can kind of get on and put your time into real business. Right. Because there, no, there was no work there, really. It was just, it was just an exercise in futility. Oh, and it's the hardest thing. I mean, especially if you're passionate and you're, you're a people person as I am, it's extremely difficult to give people a no answer. And I tell them that right up front. I really struggle with saying that we can't do it. And it's not like that necessarily we can't, but I don't want to say yes to the deal because I feel it's a downward spiral. Sometimes if we can piece together a quick second mortgage, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. And a lot of brokers build careers on that. It's a big portion of my business. But still, at the end of the day, sometimes you have to teach people that this is just a quick little Band-Aid. There's a bigger problem here that we've got to kind of nip in the butt together. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. And so another thing, as it, I love that other quote too you had said about Gretzky and then, and then miss, missing 100% of the shots you don't take. One of the things I've noticed talking to successful brokers and entrepreneurs is that the failure happens, but it's not fatal. And looking back, there's always a lesson. So can you share an example of something that you had failed at? And then, but now looking back, you're like, there, there was a lesson in it for you? Yeah, absolutely. Some of the opportunities that I did have uh, that I did not take, 
uh, I don't regret anything in the past I've done, so let's not say there's any regret per se, but I did try to build a pretty big business. I did a Toronto radio. I was actually the voice. Uh, I ran a mortgage show with Bob Pritchard on 640, home of the Leafs. So some of the Toronto listeners out there, for two years I ran a mortgage show Saturday morning. And if I could go back in time, I could have taken that to a different level uh, with the offices that I had attached to it. Mm-hmm. So I built up a pretty big brand, and that was under my old company, with that being said. If I could go back in time, I probably would have kind of taken that to another level if right. I had the opportunity. Right. Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. And um, another thing I noticed talking to successful brokers is they have systems and processes. They don't just show up and hope for the best. You can't build a business. You can't scale without systems. And so there's two areas I'm going to ask about first is administrative. So on the administrative side, can you share an example of an administrative process or sort of a back-end process that wasn't working as well as you'd like and a tweak you made and what kind of outcome you got? Oh, yes. That's a constant, constant growth. I mean, we're silly to think in any business. We if this is the way it is, this is the system. I think all systems are continually improving and, and you're working on. So with that being said, over the 14 years, I have always um, been able to work with an assistant. I would say about two or three years into my career, I made that uh, change that I had to have an assistant to help me with the admin. So I know there's a lot of agents out there that start building their business, but they just don't have the time. And how do you devote, you know, who does what energy? So what I found to be the best part is, you, you need to make sure you as the agent or the broker, this, this business is a relationship business. People refer people. They don't refer a company. Otherwise, you know, people just referring to a bank. So a lot of people do refer to people. So the reason I'm pushing this so much is for a while there in my business, and this is a big mistake I made uh, going back to that previous question. Uh, at one point in my career, I did have up to nine offices, and I had full staff in the offices. So we were running with about a $100 million business uh, and funded mortgages. And the problem was I, Michael Ballas, did not meet any, any clients face-to-face. Mm-hmm. So if a real estate agent heard me, they didn't even meet me. And as social media came out, word of you know, online marketing, started to realize that this is crucial. If you're not going to meet the person face-to-face, it's next to impossible for them to refer you to their friends and family. They didn't even get to meet you and build a relationship. Mm-hmm. So I did back up my business a whole lot and I, with my assistant, I created a way that I am the face and I'm the one that sits down and problem solves with the clients. But think of all the work up to that point. So what we did is, if a client uh, contacts an agent right away, you must reach out immediately. With today's technology and mobile, if I get a lead on a Monday night, uh, or sorry, even a Saturday night at 6.30, I try to get back to that myself as the president. I try to get back to that lead immediately. Mm-hmm. Even if it, I receive this and I will contact you on Monday morning, but I do it direct. I don't have a cool reply. And I know that's a lot of work for someone, but if you got a human replying back, it's, it's worth a lot because now you've impressed them with your promise. Mm-hmm. Then I reach out right away and I kind of, I, I clear my communication by getting out of email immediately and trying to set up a five minute phone appointment. Because now you've increased your communication from email where you don't get voice tone and into phone where at least it increases the odds. In that five-minute phone call, I'm trying to discuss like I did, like I mentioned earlier, trying to qualify and disqualify. Basically, is it worth meeting? So at the end of that conversation, I say to the person, you know, if you like what you're hearing, I can send you a link. 
and this is due to uh, Davidson Henderson, of course, the expert link, mm -hmm. we can click an application. Because now what we're doing is we're letting them at their own time, they can fill out the application. Sometimes people at work and they don't want to get into the private information, they can't talk. So it's always handy to send it through an email and have them fill it out. So if you think about it, I've only put five minutes into a phone conversation. Meanwhile, my staff is following up with that client, collecting all the paperwork, collecting authorization for the credit bureau, because that has to be done before now, and it has to be signed. Uh, there's so many things they collect. Uh, if they're, you know, I, if they're refinancing or up for renewal, I want to see the year-end mortgage statement. Let's see how much principal you've been paying off and how it's going to look in the next five years. So my staff collects all the documentation and sets up an appointment that I meet them face-to-face. -face. So now I've put five minutes into a phone call, and now I'm going to put about one hour, 45 minutes, in that range, 45 to an hour, into problem-solving with me sitting down with my client. And I push this to all my agents. You sit down and help them do the decision-making and get to know them. How much do they want to pay per month? How often? Let's put plan down the Make sure they're protected because these clients, hopefully, if you do a good job, should be coming back to you. We're not like the banks. We don't rotate our staff. These are clients for life as long as you're in the business if you do a good job that way. Mm -hmm. But now I get to put an hour into that time, and then I put notes in the deal, and my staff proceeds to the finish. So believe it or not, I don't really talk to my underwriters and my banks. My staff do. I put the orders in what we're going to do, so I put about an hour and a half into the file to decide what's being done, and then if I and then at the end when they come in to sign for the signing, that is also me. So I am always the face in front of the client when it comes to decision making, and then when it comes to fiscal rules, it's pretty easy that way because I'm always doing the decision making to the client, so there's no wrong information uh, being sent out that way. Neither mm -hmm. are all my deals because I'm in a transition right now from dealing with my own clients to to building all of my other agents' deals. Right. Right. So that's awesome advice, man. And so on the sales side, so your your um, administrative side is also a sales process, but I'm going to ask about a sales or a marketing initiative that you've tried. So in the past, something that maybe you had tried and then an adjustment you made to it and what the outcome was. So I'm thinking about sales or marketing. Oh, my gosh. Um, I, I Back in 2009 is when I left on my own and started to I know I started the true brokerage only in 2012, but I started working with uh, Real Mortgage Associates where you can kind of work with your own brand. And that was back in 2009. So I started to build Michael Mullis, the mortgage teacher, uh, affiliated with Real Mortgage Associates at the time. And the reason I'm telling you this is because I went from a very large marketed firm here in London, a big brand, and left on my own. I didn't have the money to still do what I was doing, which was radio and TV shows and uh, you know, sponsoring the local hockey team that can be big dollars, yellow page ads. I think, I think Scott, to be honest with you, here in southwestern Ontario, I think I was in 16 yellow pages. Here in the city of London, we were even on the cover of the phone book. Talk about big marketing bills. Wow. The reason I'm telling you this is because I truly, I was a young guy doing big volume, but I was, I still had the young generation surrounding my business as far as the online world. So where I'm going with this, is when I jumped into my, you know, cared more about my personal brand, that was in 2009, I started building marketing plans through social media and online and talk about a big success. So the story I'm going to give you actually was what we did is there's a, a local hockey player here in London, Ontario. We have Corey Perry, if anyone knows him, and Brandon Prust. And Brandon, uh, so happens we've done some work together in the past. 
to the London Knights. So he was playing with Calgary, uh, the Calgary Flames out there. So what we did here in London is we created a contest that we created a, a mortgage teacher T-shirt out of uh, a local shop well-known here in the city of London. And we ran this contest through Facebook that people could go to, it was called Fresh Ink, mm -hmm. and they could get a free T-shirt. That At least we made the T-shirt look pretty decent and fun, too. So people still wore them after. I still see these T-shirts today, actually. And they would get the T-shirt for free. And if they went online and took pictures of it, that would count them as five ballots in a ballot box. And the, the prize was we were going to have a winner, fly them out to Calgary, meet Brandon Cruz, get a tour of uh, the arena, watch a hockey game, free hotel, and we fly them home the next day. So that's awesome. So it was, a, it was a pretty big award just for a small guy. That You know, that's small. That's because I was using my network, my connections, mm -hmm. as much as I could. Right. Uh, but, but I could not believe We got 268 photos, Scott. There was people taking pictures with Santa Claus. There was pe people at the, it was, it was nonstop with uh, the police, for example, downtown at a, at a Leafs game I saw it. There was pictures being posted all over the place. People going through their daily routine, having a shower, waking up in bed, stretching, all with this shirt on. It was priceless. And I realized what we were doing is we were engaging, we were connecting, we were relating. Because other people that saw it could relate. It wasn't me broadcasting interest rates on my page. It was something that the consumers could relate. And I mean, let's face it. We all know what the word mortgage means, right? In mm -hmm. French, it means death contract. So yeah, I know. I, Isn't that awesome? <laughs> yeah. How do we make this business fun? Well, that's exactly the image we were portraying with mortgage teacher. Mm -hmm. The word mortgage teacher already tells the consumer what we do. So now it's pretty easy. And now with the view we had, it was fun. Well, oh my gosh, this was the biggest and best experience. We still do things like this today. And we, we can still use those pictures. And then I would take those pictures and I would, for example, if I was at a London home show, we would broadcast those pictures out of screen playing in the background with slideshows. And as people would walk by, they would see those and they could relate. People would start using these for their profile pictures. So really, it was almost like a, a free advertising here in the city. And it... It, it was it was it was ridiculous the size it took off. I think we had a total of two thousand ballots. Wow. Yeah, it, it was really fantastic, and and just here in the city of London too. So it's that, those are pretty big impacting numbers. Yeah, that's awesome, man. That's a that's a brilliant idea. I absolutely love that. So and I love how you've taken used something that you had access to in your network, and then you made it social. Pictures are great because that's one of the best things to share online, and then. And have an, a contest that everybody wants. I always think when you're giving something away, you want something that people will crawl across broken glass to get. And if, if it's that good, then people will do basically anything to get into the contest. So that is something that people, if they love hockey, they'll be like, I am all over that. I'm going to like, you know, do whatever I can to get that shirt and then do the post pictures. And so it's awesome. That's oh, brilliant. It was, it, it, was, uh, it, was, it was a success. Now you need to hear the end outcome. Because you always get uh, deal breakers and uh, hurdles when it comes to this. You ready for this one? Yep. When we won the trip, I don't recall the exact date. I want to say it was in January, but Brandon Pruss was traded to Arizona two days before. No. <laughs> yes, I swear. So what happened was, under the circumstance, he still took care of us. 
the Calgary Flames knew what we were doing and they were thankful because we're branding, we're pushing their brand here in the city of London. So they gave us, a, uh, all of us, a free jersey when we showed up. They walked around. Brandon had us set up with a restaurant to go eat. Uh, he, he had us more than set up. It was a fantastic experience, but talk about how life can throw you a curveball, and it still turned out to be more than an amazing experience. So, right. It's, uh, you, you never know. So I know a lot of people can hear and say, well, you know, you were just lucky that way. Well, no, it comes with some unfortunate uh, examples too, and and it still turned out fantastic. You still had to take the shot, right, back to Gretzky. You took the shot, and you, it bounced off the, you know, off the crossbar and went in. So who cares? It still yeah, went you in. got you got it. It was a funny bounce, but we scored. You right. got it. Who cares? So I, I'm going to switch gears a little bit on diversifying income. So talking to successful brokers, there seems to be two camps in, that are forming. One says yes, you need to diversify, get share a wallet. Another camp says no, just focus on brokering. And so I'm just wondering where you fall on that, and if you are diversifying, what area you're focusing on. Yeah, I, I'm definitely focused on the brokering only. I'm not diversifying as much. I've always been a fan of not handing out um, multiple cards as far as do I, you know, do I give the insurance advice? No, I still today suggest dealing with an insurance broker on that. With that being said, we have these terms and these, but I, there, there's two sides of that coin. I have other agents I might train differently. I am a little bit different myself because I'm trying to grow a brand and a brokerage. So I'm not... I do, if I had age, I have mortgage teachers that are still doing the insurance thing on the side and that with themselves. I don't mind that. I like that development because it, let's just face it. If you can help people there with all the questions and have all those answers for them, it does help. As far as, yeah, as far as just sticking to what, when you say diversify, are you talking different kinds of mortgages? I should be clear on that question. Yeah, so I, I, well, anything. So when some people, for instance, are diversifying by getting an insurance license or, you know, getting into other products. Some people are diversifying by just getting into commercial mortgages instead of residential. And then some people are like, no, no, pick one niche, one area, focus on that and, you know, wash, rinse, repeat and don't do anything else. But, and so I'm just curious where you fall on that. That's okay. I, I do want, I take in any kind of call. When you're a mortgage teacher, we, I do not limit what type of mortgage advice we give or what kind of deals we put together. So there's commercial deals, private deals. At the end of the day, we want to be the experts with mortgage questions. Okay? So uh, we don't, now with that being said, I cannot believe how the first time home buyers are attaching to our brand. So our marketing has led us to uh, be a good, I would say, I would say 80% first time home buyers. So I love this because it's giving us a feel that we are, are, we're connecting with the future of mortgages. Mm-hmm. So I, I do like that. I mean, let's face it, mortgage financing, it's confusing. Uh, it's even scarier to a majority of home buyers. Okay. We're, we're experts and there's real changes and the lenders are changing all the time. We can hardly keep up with knowledge. Imagine being a consumer that doesn't read about this every day. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, banks and brokers generally pull from a limited pool of, of financing providers. So, to fit the clients, you know, into their own predetermined boxes, it, it's difficult to do. So, as mortgage teachers, we first determine what's important to those uh, consumers that they're mm-hmm. seeking advice. And then only then do we scour all the options available. Because it's kind of difficult with all the changes coming from each and every bank, right? Right. So... They sit there and say, I'm the B expert or the A expert. Yeah, we do market to the to the A plus uh, that way mm-hmm. as far as those are the leads that we bring in the door. So I, I don't, mortgage teacher does not advertise, bankrupt, can't get your mortgage anywhere else, call us. Mm-hmm. 
don't. But with that being said, we do have a lot of people that refer. Oh, you're having troubles? Contact mortgage teacher. They'll help. So we still have a lot of those deals. I mean, just recently, we put together a, a, a hotel on agricultural with a gas station and a side kicker chapel across the street. So somehow we had to put together at one point. That's hilarious. For that. A, ch- a it, church it, it, across it, the street on top of a gat like, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, it, and it worked out great. And I love the plan that the hotel had because that way they can host a lot of weddings. So right. we put it together with them and, and there you go. So I, I don't market to those, but they land on your plate. And you just do them. Okay, so I'm going to move to the rapid fire questions. You can answer these with shorter answers if you like. So what's the number one thing holding back most mortgage brokers from being successful? I think standing out and being found. There's so many other brokers. How, what makes you different from the others? And how do you stand out from the bank? Right. And what one thing or habit has made you successful? Pardon me? What one habit or thing has made you successful? Uh, always do what you say. And do you have an internet resource or a software program you use to make your business more successful? Yeah, we do have a lot of back end here. Uh, that helps. That's always been tweaking and growing. So I can't quite say that that's the reason for it because, but, but I got to admit now, it does tie to quite a lot of the success for sure. So what program though, like, is there a program, one of the, one of the programs you use in the back office side or on the uh, like admin side that's making things work for you? Basecamp. Basecamp. Are you familiar oh, yeah. with Basecamp? Yeah, I've heard of it. It's great project right. management software, right? You got it because we can never drop a tax because keep in mind, I have a marketing company attached to us of 36 people. Mm-hmm. So even today we had a meeting on what we're going to do for the Christmas cards this year. So now that task is developed and Basecamp follows through so we can look back to see where it was left off and why. So nothing, nothing gets dropped. When you're growing a business, you're moving every little thing forward, whether it's a deal, whether it's marketing, because I have to wear two hats. I have to work in the business and on the business. Mm-hmm. And Basecamp helps keep me straight. So that's one background software that really keeps everything clean. Cool. That's an awesome one. So I, this is one of my favorite questions. It's the last question of DeLorean. Remember the movie Back to the Future? Oh, yeah. And so in the movie Back to the Future, there's the car you can travel in time. So if I could set the DeLorean for your uh, for 13 years ago when you got into the mortgage business and send you back so you, and you could give yourself three pieces of advice so that mortgage teacher could be bigger and better today, what three things would you tell yourself? Oh... That's a good one. If I could go back in time, hmm, I don't know because I like the decisions I made. I was questionable on some of them and they've turned out. Um, I'm stuck with that one because I'm happy with where. So are you saying if I go back in time, what would I change? Yeah, or what advice would you give yourself? Not Not to say change. Maybe you made a lot of good decisions for where you are, but what would you what things would you have told yourself so that it would be better than today? Not not to get where you are, but to look back and go, you know what, if I would have done X, Y, and Z, my business would be, you know, 50% bigger today because of those decisions. So what three things would you tell yourself? Yeah, believe it or not, I would have gone back and kept my own profile, meaning myself. I put so much into the company and the brand that I did have quite a bit of rental properties going. I mean, at the end of the day, we're all doing it to help ourselves, Right. So if I could go back in time, I do think it's healthy for a broker to, to kind of build that on the side, uh, feel free to understand, to grow into possibly private lending even. That's part of the business that I did have going on the side that I turned away from. 
Uh, I know that's an off-the-wall answer, but if I could go back 13 years, I did have about four or five rentals that I walked away from. With that being said, that's because of the time they put in. So I do know there's a lot of brokers out there that dabble on the side with doing their own private mortgages, whether they're building their own rental incomes. I think it's pretty strong to keep yourself in the market as a consumer at the same as giving advice. So if I could go back in time, I would probably work with my own rentals a little bit, Mm -hmm. believe it or not. Uh, that is one of them that if I go back in time, I would have kept going a little stronger because it keeps you on the no wall. So right. when you go back and talk to lenders, you're in the business. You're not just hearing what the consumers are saying. Does that right. make sense? That makes sense. So you know, I, I, I kind of picked up a couple of things here and then I'll wrap up. So you'd said you'd brand yourself because you'd mentioned that, you know, that's you're your own. You're the thing that you're trying to sell. And then you would uh, look into private lending and you would keep your rentals. Does that sound about right? Sorry, that that is one of them that I would keep for myself. What would Michael do back in time to change things that he is today? And that's, unfortunately, everything with the business and that is going fantastic. So I can't even think of anything I would do different. Okay. Now, what sort of advice, part two of your question, what would I tell others if I go back 13 years ago? You're right. The number one thing that I'm glad I did is not, you can't associate yourself with so many brands. For example, I do see a big trend. Everyone, you know, myname.com. Agree, Scott? Oh, totally. Everyone wants to have myname.com. You want to advertise yourself, a person. I see that. But then if you're working with one company and that company is associated with another brand, I just see three to even up to four brands on one business card. Mm -hmm. So, for example, I am MikeMullis.com with uh, the so-and-so mortgage team associated with the Powered by This. And then associate with that. I think if you have too many brands, you're really throwing out the question to your consumer. What, who do you work for? Who are you? Yeah, yeah. I totally get it. So you need yeah, to have some so, clarity on the brand. Yeah, you have to have a digital footprint. I've done a lot of public speaking with uh, CMHC in southwestern Ontario. Uh, they would do their consumer survey, and we actually chose mortgage teacher. And I called it putting the eye back in brand meaning that the consumers are referring people, like I mentioned before. So you have to make sure, guys, any mortgage agent out there, type in your name. And if you're not the entire first page, Google+, Plus, you name it, then I'm sorry, but you're going to get lost. Your digital footprint is the biggest investment you could possibly make right now. So maybe you don't have the money to build your own website, but go buy the domain. Buy anything around your name.com. It's it's kind of like I was speaking before, if you're um, buying rentals and that. Maybe you can't afford to build your dream house, but buy the lot. It's $8 a year to buy the domain. It, having your name.com or something around it is crucially important. Maybe you don't have the time to build it, like I said, but if you have that investment down the road, if you want your business to exist in five years, you must have an extremely strong digital footprint. And I don't mean your company. I don't mean you need to look the same as everyone else. You need your own. You need to start blogging, being an author. As you can see by Twitter, Facebook, even Instagram now. A picture is worth a thousand words. Instagram's the hottest thing. So how are you going to get your brand and get your name out there to stand out? And there's a lot of creative techniques to do it to stay ahead of the curve. But in order to stand out and be fine, you have to first make sure that your, your people can find you easily. Right. That's awesome advice. Well, Michael, um, just a quick question for you. Are you guys hiring? We are. Awesome. And where, yes, can, pe- where uh, can people find you online? Mortgageteacher.com. 
Awesome. And so anyone listening to the to this can check out the show notes at ilovemortgagebrokering.com. There'll be links to Michael, to his website. I definitely recommend you check out his branding and his design. I think it's uh, definitely a notch above what, what I've seen out there. And Michael, I hope you absolutely crush the rest of your year. And thanks for your time today. Well, thank you so much. And anyone in there that is taking a look at Mortgage Teacher, that's what the brand is built for. We want people out there, you are the mortgage teacher of your network and uh, the people you associate with. And that's what we're trying to build. Awesome, man. Take care. All right, Scott. Take care, bud. If you are prepared to take your mortgage business to the next level, there is only one place to go. I love mortgage brokering with your host, Scott Heckford. Hey, Broker Nation. Scott Heckford here. Have you joined our VIP club for mortgage brokers yet? If not, you're missing out. We share exclusive content not available on the web or the show. We share scripts, step-by-step guides, and other insider tips to help you save time and make you more money. I can't tell you how many times after I turn off the recorder, a guest starts sharing some awesome advice or a script or, or a tip, and I take the best of this and share it with my VIPs. If you want to get on the list, visit ilovemortgagebrokering.com slash VIP. That's ilovemortgagebrokering.com slash VIP. Oh, and one other thing. Since this is exclusive for mortgage brokers, there is a skill testing question. Good luck, and I hope you continue to rock your mortgage biz.